Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Welcome to Stupidity, home of the greatest media mind ever to walk the planet. I tell you what, man, he's a literal titan across the entire media landscape. Okay, so here's the deal. He's a true icon in every sense of the word. He's loved and feared more than any being to grace this planet. There's two guys, a man with a voice that sounds like Barry White and Beyonce had a Jewish baby. God himself would pay $39.99 for a cameo. Fact of the matter is, you are about to embark on a transcendent experience that can only be described as psychological nudity. This is Stu Goss, and this is Stupidity. Here we go, Jim. Tony! Welcome into another episode of Stupidity, the biggest podcast in the world, thanks to you, and of course, thanks to our friends at DraftKings. Uh, How about that? Please subscribe, rate, and review. Unsubscribe, resubscribe, re-rate, re-review. You are the reason we are the biggest podcast in the world, you and DraftKings. Hello, Mikey A. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Stu? I am uh, I am doing well. We are talking way too way too frequently these days. I'm not happy about it. I don't I mean, like it. <laughs> stop working so hard. And stop making me work so hard. <laughs> oh man. Listen, I want to tell you, we had Phil Helmuth on our last episode, and we played a game of uh athletes that connote poker and we left out Hortley Dykes. <laughs> and listen, it has been sitting with me, wide receiver at Oklahoma State, I believe. Um, and I don't know why I had to throw that in there. I was flexing my cowboy knowledge there. Um, but it has been sitting with me since the second we stopped playing that game. Uh, I was letting you know. Listen, that'll weigh on you. <laughs> That's all you got for me, Mike? <laughs> That's all I got. You suck. All right, Mike, so we're going to have Howard Beck on. A lot going on in the NBA. Howard wrote a, uh, and I like Howard a lot, he wrote a very interesting column, um, SI Daily Cover, actually, for Sports Illustrated. The days of the great star-coach partnership are largely gone from the NBA. Has something been lost? And it gets into the importance of coaching and all that. But before we get to Howard, I'm excited to have him on. 
Um, top five Howards of all time. Top five Howards of all time. What do you think, Mikey A? I mean, <laughs> who has who has a list of top five Howards? I do. <laughs> I do too. <laughs> you do. You have a list. You have a top five list of Howards. Okay, I'm gonna. Who's going first? Who's going first here? You go first. Okay, Howard Beck again from Sports Illustrated. Going to talk. Uh, we're going to talk to him about everything in the NBA in just a second. But first, the important stuff: our fucking top five Howards of all time. Oh my God! Here we go. Number five for me. Number five, Ron Howard. How about that? Uh, Ronnie Howard, huh? Richard I didn't Cunningham. Even think last name. I didn't even huh? think last name. You did it, huh? Who is a fifth on your list? Let's go. I'll give mine. You give yours. One for one. Chingy, real name Howard. <laughs> okay, number four for me is Howie Mandel. How about that? Howie Mandel. That's not a Howard, but Howie Mandel. Are we good? Uh, all right. I'm going to go okay. number four. I'm going to go with our guest coming up. I'm going to go Howard Beck. You're such a kiss ass. Number yes, three for me. Yes, you are. Howard Beck is in the Zoom right now. And listen, he loves you, Mike. Howard, you're not on mine. Okay? But feel free to come up with your own top five Howards of all time when we get to you. It's called producing. <laughs> All right, number three for me, Howard Cosell. Howard Cosell, oh. the great Howard Cosell. That's number three. Yes, there are two better than the great Howard Howard oh Cosell. That's number three. Fine. All right, All right, I'm going to steal it. I'm taking Howard Cosell because I forgot him on my list, and I'm okay leaving off Howard Hughes. You're so lazy, Howard Hughes. Get the hell out of here. Uh, all right, number two for me, the king of all media, Howard Stern, number two. Number two, Howard Stern. I'm worried that we're going to have the same number one because my number two is also Howard Stern, and I'm terrified we're going to have the same number one because I, I've got a great one. My number one is legendary afternoon host from Philadelphia, WIP, Howard Eskin. <laughs> The that's most famous of Howards. Yes, that's where I went. <laughs> okay, we did not go the same route. I'm happy <laughs> what do you got? <laughs> Number one, Howard the Duck. Ah, it's very good. That is very, very good. But not as good as Howard Came Eskin. down to Earth and had sex with an Earth woman. <laughs> a quick Howard Eskin story. We used to, uh, Dan and I had a very good relationship with Terrell Owens. Terrell Owens was playing in Philadelphia. Howard Eskin was the king of Philadelphia sports radio. Terrell Owens would only agree to do a radio show with me and Dan and not Howard Eskin. And so we preempted <laughs> Howard Eskin's show for an hour every week. Afternoon drive in his city, in his market, and he could ask D.O. a single question. And he hated us. <laughs> Let's bring in our friend Howard Beck. Stu Gouts here for my friends over at Miller Lite. A lot's changed over the years. One thing that hasn't, the great taste of Miller Lite. Another thing that hasn't changed is that it's less filling. So, what is the best thing about the original light beer? Miller Lite sparked this debate in 1975, and we still haven't settled it. Listen, for me, it's simple. When I'm sitting around with friends, with family, we're at concerts, we're watching the Knicks finally win for the first time in 30 years, we're laughing, we're having a great time, we do it with ice cold. Miller Lite. Always have, always will. Miller Lite keeps it simple, undebatable quality, great taste, only 96 calories. It's the beer that strips away everything you don't need and holds on to what matters most. You don't have to choose what's best. Miller Lite has great taste and is less filling. Tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com slash stew, or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 96 calories per 12 ounces, fewer cows and carbs than pre- Premium regular beer.
Now, Howard, did you put together a top five list? First off, whose list did you like better, mine or Mikey A's? And did you come up with your own top five Howards of all time? Uh, hello, gentlemen. Thank you for having me. This has been uh, incredibly entertaining already. Um, I'm calling a couple of fouls here. Um, technical foul, you can't run Howard's last name as Howard. I think that's cheating. Okay. All right, also, if we're, going, totally if we're going the Happy Days route, then you got to have Howard Cunningham, his dad. You're right. You're right, Mr. C. You're right. Mr. C. <laughs> so cool that Fonzie just called him C, Mr. C. Like, <laughs> because, and I speak with authority on the subject, you would rather be called by the last initial of your last name than by your first name because Howard has just never been that cool, right? And that's the thing growing up yes. when I did, as probably similar generation to you guys, Howard Cunningham, eh, not that cool, at least amongst my friends. Uh, Howard Hughes, some weirdo, you know, rich dude. Um, Howard the Duck was a, a just a freaking nightmare. That was in high school for me. Like I, that was just that that was just killing me. And Howard Cosell, <laughs> like we think we're all in sports media, right? So Howard Cosell's a freaking icon, and plus he's been gone a long time. But when we were growing up, Howard Cosell was this annoying guy with the 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 you know squeak voice, <laughs> the whiny voice, and everything else. And like there there were no cool Howards until. Howie Long came along for the Raiders. And even though he was Howie, wow. not Howard, he actually oh. did more to like mainstream that name than I think anybody during my upbringing. Thank you, Howie oh, Long. Oh, man. Oh, man. But how'd you feel about Mikey A putting you on his list? I mean, how about I that? mean pa pandering a little bit, but man, I'll take it. Thank you, Mike. Yes. A lot of it. <laughs> I'm all for pandering. And how'd you... Well, how'd you feel about Howard Eskett? I mean, <laughs> I don't know anything about him. I know of him. We have not crossed right. paths. I'm not a Philadelphia guy. Um, okay. But uh, and Stern, like Stern would be the other guy who made being Howard, I guess, cool. Although that's a taste thing. My older brother right. uh, loves Stern. I respect what Stern has done. I was never a Stern guy. Like, I don't I, I don't listen to him regularly. Um, he does phenomenal interviews. Um I liked his movie, oddly, even though I don't listen to the show. I, I like I thought <laughs> that's weird. Yeah. <laughs> I, Paul Giamatti stole that movie. <laughs> Paul Giamatti did steal. Oh, Paul Giamatti <laughs> Paul Giamatti steals every movie he's in, doesn't he? Yes. No he, doubt. He, he kind of does. No doubt. Uh so Howard Howard uh, Beck is with us, senior writer, sports illustrated, co-host of the crossover podcast with Chris Mannix and analyst on Sirius XM NBA, and wrote a very interesting article that Levitard sent to me uh, over the weekend. Uh, a Sports Illustrated Daily cover, the days of the great star coaching partnerships are largely gone from the NBA. Has something been lost? Uh, Howard, I found it fascinating. This is something Dan and I have been discussing on our show uh, for quite some time. I'm wondering why you decided to write about this. So in truth, I actually started down this path over a year ago. And shout out to my former editors at, at Bleacher Report, where I was working at the time, who said, yeah, this is interesting. Go for it. I started doing some reporting. The lockdown hit. Pandemic hit. It w went on pause. Um, job change in the, in the meantime. And, um, my editors at SI, uh, thankfully also liked the idea. What had hit me at various junctures over the last few years was that so much of the, the, the landscape or the, the dynamics of the NBA have changed during this player empowerment era. And I think on balance, it's a good thing, right? Players should get to decide their own fates, their own careers, go wherever makes them happy, play for whichever team, whichever teammates, what like that's, I have no problem with that whatsoever, but I have kept coming back to this every couple of years. I've, I've explored some other tangent of this trend or this era, because I feel like 
it, it has changed things in subtle, sometimes very subtle ways. And this was subtle, right? We needed to be 10 years into the player empowerment era. If we want to start with the decision in 2010 to see that one of the effects is that, oh, Steve Kerr and Steph Curry are the last like real player superstar partnership at the highest level, right? Like, yes, Terry Stotts and Dame Lillard have had seven years together, whatever, but they haven't been to a finals. They haven't won a championship. I'm thinking more in terms of in the, the history of the NBA, as we have all understood it in our lifetimes, you have always had these great partnerships. Russell and Auerbach, Pop and Timmy, Phil Jackson and Michael Jordan, Magic and Riley, Chuck Daly and Isaiah Thomas, Rudy Tomjanovich and Akeem Olajuwon. So dynasties are even the, what I would call mini dynasty, the two-year runs, like the Rockets or the Pistons. And you, you knew that those guys were, were, were connected at the hip that there was something almost telepathic there and that they were on the same wavelength and that it meant something for how successful those teams could be because you never had to worry about, or maybe rarely had to worry about is, is Michael on the same page with Phil? And if Michael is doing what Phil needs to do, if Michael's buying in on the triangle and Michael is all about like the game plan, you know, everyone else is falling in line. And if you're together over years, especially winning titles that bonds you that much closer, it builds that much more trust. And I thought, well, I don't see that much now. And it's not, again, I'm not judging it as good, bad, or otherwise. It's just different. It's interesting. So LeBron wins two with Spolstra. And I kept thinking, well, I'm never going to think about LeBron and Spo the way I think about Michael and Phil. And it was underscored early in the lockdown when The Last Dance came out. And the first minutes of the documentary are Michael saying, I'm not playing for anybody else. Something that you would never hear anybody say today, I don't think. And underscored by every time they're winning a title, those guys hugging and the joy on their faces. And I'm not saying that LeBron's never hugged Ty Lue or Spolster or Vogel. Probably happened. It's not those same resonant moments because the bonds don't run as deep. The experience with each other hasn't been as long. And so, yes, so LeBron, four titles with three different coaches. Kawhi, two titles, two coaches. Durant, two titles, same coach, but left. So if he wins another one, it's with a different coach. And Kerr and Curry are the only standing remnant of this old model, at least for now. And it made me wonder, is that over and what is lost? And that was what I was trying to explore. Would you throw Wade and Spolstra into that mix? Wade won one with Riley and then two with Eric Spolstra. You know, it's funny because obviously Spo was part of that staff also, um, you know, before he became the head coach. So Wade and Spo had been together for a long stretch. Um, I guess I, I didn't think of them in the same vein only because, yeah, like it wasn't Wade and Spolstra for two or three or more. You know what I mean? It, right was there's a longevity there and, and, and I, like i fully admit there are various ways you could look at this and if anybody wants to come back and say well carlisle had his 11 years with dirk and i referenced them in the story sure but again i'm looking at dynasties i'm looking at the the teams that defined eras the way that the bulls did in the 90s the way that the lakers did in the 80s um the way that the spurs did off and on over a 15 year span you know it when it, it is it is kind of the obscenity thing. You know it when you see it. You know the coach superstar yes. bond when you see it. I'm not saying that Wade and Spolster don't have it. I'm just saying that when you think about the great star coach combinations in the NBA, the ones that defined eras, you think of the ones I mentioned. Russell and Auerbach, Magic and Riley, Pop and Timmy, MJ and, and, and Phil, Phil and Shaq, Phil and Kobe. Um, those are the ones that come to mind and, they, and that are the strongest image because of their longevity. And the number of times. No, and it makes sense. 
No, you're right. Like, and if you, you know, if you took it over to football, you'd think, you know, Montana and Walsh, you think Brady and Belichick, obviously. And you're yes. right about Dirk. Like, I, there, there's never going to be a time where I think about Dirk and the next thought I have is Rick Carlisle. It's just, it's not going to happen. In fact, it would probably be Steve Nash. Like, it's weird, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, and I, I do think of them together, but it just, again, it's a little bit eye of the beholder. And it's kind of just the way that we have seen from the outside how these relationships have evolved or the moments that we think of involving them. Um, I, some of the, the ones I've mentioned, I think we would all agree. You cannot separate them in your mind. You cannot think about magic right. without Riley or Riley without magic. No, it's totally fair. Uh, do you see one? Is there a current pairing maybe that perhaps has a chance of being the next one? Like if Giannis wins in Milwaukee, well, yeah. it, could that potentially be one? Giannis and Budenholzer. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because most of the discussion about those guys is, well, if they lose in the second round, Bud is gone. <laughs> <You know? laughs> right, but they could win it all and win the next five, and then all of a sudden you have what you're craving to for. <laughs> totally possible, right? Um, yes. But it just, it, again, it's indicative of the era we're in that when we think about Giannis and his coach, the first thing we're thinking is, well, if they don't get out of the second round, um, it's possible. Uh, you know, maybe, you know, like they're older, the stars in, in Brooklyn are older now, but what if the Nets go on a run over the next few years? Will we start thinking about, I don't even know if it's Kyrie and Nash, Harden and Nash or Durant and Nash. I mean, uh, right. Yeah. Like they're, they're like three almost co-equals. It's not the same as like Jordan being the clear alpha dog of the Bulls or, or, or magic defining those Laker teams. Um, you know, coaches don't last long enough for this to happen anymore. And that's the other thing. Cause people said, well, what about, Will we think of Luca and Carlisle that way someday? Well, maybe they got a ways to go to right. become title contenders. And Carlisle's, you know, pretty deep into his career. I don't know how much longer he'll coach. And, you know, he's one of the longer tenured guys. There's only a handful. It's like him, Spo, Terry Stotts, I think, is one of the longer tenured right now. Everybody else has been where they've been for like three years or less, two years or less. Um, you know, so part of the question becomes, well, is anybody going to stick around long enough coach or player for this to happen? Because Phil and Michael were together for basically a decade. And, you know, mm -hmm. uh, even like with Phil, with, with Shaq and Kobe, it was only a five-year run, but they went four times and won three and Phil leaves. And then he comes back and he wins a couple more with Kobe, which kind of cemented it. And it made it a longer span. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. If you had to pinpoint, Howard, the single most important, the single reason above all other reasons that this is happening, right, that we no longer have these relationships, would it be player empowerment? Would it be free agency combination? Like what would be the one thing that you would you, you would pinpoint? A lot of times when we talk about player empowerment or superstar empowerment or superstar mobility, as I've referred to it at times, we think of it as like, well, the players are leveraging their 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 authority to make these moves. And that's true. But. The, the layer just beneath that that's allowed that to happen in large part is shorter contracts. So the NBA in the time that I've been covering it, I started in 97, I've covered multiple, you know, CBA negotiations and, and, and changes to the, to the CBA over time. Every single time the NBA has tried to shorten contracts, lower the raise, the, the annual raises, do everything possible to, so they don't have albatross contracts anymore so that you don't have the Jawan Howard you know, seven years and a bazillion dollars anymore, right? And what's happened is we went from seven-year you know, seven deals in, in 99 to the next time they went through, they lowered it to six-year maximum, then five years. We're at a point now where most players are on four-year deals, some on five. They just come up for free agency more often. 
And though the players were against that at the time, the union would always negotiate against the, the NBA's desire to, to shorten contracts. It's worked in their favor. It's given them way more leverage and way more freedom that goes with that. And on top, you know, that, that then fosters the player empowerment and all that movement. So the one thing that is, that is, you know, um, erasing these kinds of relationships more than anything, it's shorter contracts and the fact that players can move around, but it's also other things. It's the fact that coaches don't have as much authority as they used to, and they're not empowered by teams in the same way that they were. Uh, they make more money than their predecessors, but relative to the players, the gap is even larger than it ever was. So the players have more authority than the coaches do. We also have, and this is a, a really hard thing to define, right? Like where are the Chuck Daly's or the Phil Jackson's, you know, and Greg Popovich aside, because he's been here so long that the pop of today is still pop, but you, you just don't see these larger than life personalities that can weather a lot of this, right? They don't have more authority than their players. They don't have more standing or security than their players. Um, they're not, they don't define the franchise in the same way. Brad Stevens, great basketball mind. Does he define the Celtics? I'd say no. <laughs> no, he you definitely know. doesn't. But I know what Mikey A is thinking as a Nick fan. He thinks that the next great player-coach relationship that's going to last for like a decade is Julius Randle and Tom Thibodeau, right, Mikey A? I mean, you have to, right? Tell me how I'm wrong. <laughs> Tell him I, did, I did get at least I did get at least one response like that on Twitter last week. So right. uh, maybe that was you, Mike, actually. It's been, uh, a, but, listen, Howard, it's been a rough couple of decades for us. Okay. We're both Nick fans. Okay. We're latching on to anything we can. And that's the thing though. Like will Randall stick around long enough? Will Tim stick around long enough? Maybe, maybe this is the start of a beautiful friendship. That's going to define the next 10 years of the Knicks. Who knows? Right. But Howard, what, what your article really started, like I, what I was thinking about as I was reading it was the importance of coaching itself. Like if you like, like, and perhaps we should rethink just how important it is, especially in basketball where you're playing five guys at a time. And if you have the one or two best guys on that court, chances are you're going to win regardless of who your coach is. And when you look at LeBron, who's now won, you know, he's won championships with three different coaches. He's made it to the NBA finals with David Blatt. You have to ask yourself, how important is coaching in the NBA, right? You, you know, even the best coaches would always tell you that, you know, their success is entirely dependent on the talent of their players, right? We've always all known that. Um, but Phil Jackson brought something to the table that Michael needed at that juncture of his career. Uh, Phil Jackson brought something to the table, as Shaq said in my story, that Shaq needed at that time in his career and that Kobe needed for that matter. And so sometimes, you know, at least in the past, there was something that the coach brought in terms of whether it was their knowledge, their gravitas, their ability to give the, the, the this superstar who has amazing talent and might just win without them. But this other little thing that they needed to unlock a next level or, to, you know, to go from, you know, star to superstar or to go from superstar, no rings to actually having rings. I don't hear that anymore. Right. Like Michael would tell you how important Phil Jackson was. Um, Tim Duncan would probably tell you how important Greg Popovich was. Hakeem Elijah, one of my stories, says how important Rudy T was to him. Isaiah says it about Chuck Daly. I, I don't know. And this is not, it feels like mean to say this. I don't know what LeBron would say about what any of those three guys that he won with did. I'm sure there were good game plans and good timeout plays called out of timeouts. It's not the same thing as Michael Jordan needing Phil to say, listen, you won scoring titles. Where's it gotten you? 
I need you to do something a little different here. I need you to play in a scheme where it's going to involve your teammates more, especially the first three quarters. And then the fourth, you can do your thing. But in the meantime, we need to have uh, you know, a five-man game where everyone is involved because they're going to be more confident and play at a different level. Like those kinds of lessons that are more mentor to student I, that's the part that I don't, I don't hear talked about as much and maybe it's happening and it's just more subtle. Um, but you know, uh, you know, does Kawhi Leonard have the same trajectory if he doesn't land with pop first in the Spurs? Maybe not. But by the time he goes to sent to, to Toronto, it's like, it's not about Nick nurse again, Nick nurse, great basketball mind, but that championship's not, not about him. It's about Kawhi. Um, so it, it I, I, I did ask the question, which I did not answer in the story, you know, you know, maybe the, you know, coaching still matters, but do coaches, is it, are they interchangeable and, and, and interchangeable is again, demeaning to them because in that span of 30 NBA coaches, there are better and, and not so better, <laughs> but I think, I think what LeBron would tell you, by the way, just going yeah. back to that point for a second is LeBron would tell you, Howard, I won those guys championships. Eric Spolster has two extra rings because of, well, he has his two rings because of me. Yeah. And I'd be okay with that response. I, I I'd be. be okay with it too. And I do think the game has changed to the extent too, that it really is more about you give the players a bit of a format and then you let them go. This is, this is not, you know, coaches holding up hand signals for every single play and calling every single play of the game and, and micromanaging that's not today's NBA. There's a lot more. That's why there's so much screen and roll because you don't even need instructions necessarily <laughs> to do that. Everybody knows how to set up for that. There are obviously a lot of other things that branch off of that, but I think it is more player driven, even in just the X's and O's of today's game. And maybe because of that, the, it is only like calling the play out of the timeout or coming up with a defensive game plan that matters. It's not the, the, the broader, the more global philosophy of we're going to run seven seconds or less. We're going to run the triangle. We're going to run this motion offense. And so again, all those things still exist in various forms, but it is more about the talent now than it is about the coaches and what they're bringing to the table. Oh my gosh, folks gather around. Everyone gather around. Listen to these words. The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you gotta check this out. New customers, listen to me. You bet just five bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use code DAN. That's code DAN for new customers. And you get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. That's insane. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resort in Kansas, 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 
Howard Beck with us, senior writer, Sports Illustrated, co-host of the Crossover Podcast with Chris Mannix, an analyst on Sirius XM NBA. All right, we're going to get you out of here because we know you're a little bit short on time. We're going to play a quick game with you, okay? Quick game with you. Uh, Mike, are we going with Beck yeah or Beck no? What are we doing? Yeah, let's do Beck yeah or Beck no. Okay, but Howard, listen, listen, Howard, I hate to, like, I, 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 listen, I hate to be a puppeteer here. You're not a puppet, okay? But if you're going to go uh, Beck yeah, you got to say it like this. Beck yeah. <laughs> And Beck, no. You want to you want to try it out, okay? You want me to test it a little? Should I yeah, audition yeah, yeah, here real yeah. quick? Yeah. Beck, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Beck, no. Now let's try the no. Ah, oh, there we All go. Right. Hey, you're on to it. You're right. a smart guy. All right. Tom Thibodeau, coach of the year. Beck, yeah. <laughs> or Beck, no. Uh a soft Beck no, only because I think Monty Williams is still <laughs> Monty Williams. Monty Williams on the top of my ballot uh, this whole this whole way, and I think Tibbs is second. I have not decided. I've not locked in my ballot for for certain, but uh, Tibbs could win it, so it could be a Beck yeah at the end of the day. On my ballot, I think he's second to Monty Williams. Uh, by the way, that would be a great example of coaching still mattering. Is is Tom Thibodeau oh, yes. has come? In, he's completely changed the culture of the entire organization. Yes, <laughs> right. And, okay, but good. as Monty Williams has in in Phoenix, where yes. that team was wandering, literally, I think wandering the desert because there's a lot of it out there for ten years. Their their drought was longer right. than than the Knicks' drought. So you know, I mean, this wasn't year one of Monty Williams. It's year two, but it's his his first. I don't even want to say full year. Last year was interrupted by the lockdown. This one is is compressed, but this is his first full season there. Um, a lot of people give the credit to Chris Paul, and, and deservedly so too. But Monty Williams has changed the culture there as well. Uh, and well, that's see, that's the tough part of the discussion. Uh, is Monty Williams a good coach, or did he just get Chris Paul to become a good coach? You know? Right. Well, like, did did Tibbs tough. unlock Julius Randle, or did Julius Randle in year seven finally decide, you know what, maybe if I got myself in better shape and passed the ball more often, <laughs> I'd be a better player. <laughs> there you go. And speaking of, Julius Randle is better than Chris Bosh. Beck yeah or Beck no? Oh. <laughs> you, can, you can tell this is a, this is a show hosted by two Nick fans. <laughs> Beck, no, I got some non Nick. Beck, Beck no. no, okay. Listen, Beck, quick, elab- quick elaboration. <laughs> Julius Randall at this stage, I think, has a uh, uh, arguably a more complete overall skill set. Um, but has he used that to impact winning at the highest level over the course of multiple years yet? Has he anchored a team like Chris Bosh? anchored some pretty good teams and was putting up phenomenal numbers in Toronto with not a ton of help there for years, even before he got to Miami, then went to Miami, reinvented himself and helped win a couple championships and go to four straight finals. So it's not a fair comparison to, to be honest. Okay. Uh, and that, you're totally right. Uh, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> again, it's been a rough couple of decades for us. Uh, Nikola Jokic. Okay. Is the best basketball player of all time that no one cares about. <laughs> Beck yeah or Beck no. <laughs> That's just mean. <laughs> <laughs> but but true. I mean, <laughs> I didn't hear Beck no. Beck no. <laughs> no, Beck no. Because, listen, um, true basketball fans love what Jokic is doing. Maybe, yes. maybe casual fans are just now coming to appreciate him. Maybe it's going to take a run to the finals before people truly appreciate what he does or tune into him. Uh, this is a sport where a lot of people don't tune in until the playoffs. And, you know, the Nuggets were in the conference finals last year, but it was a weird year and they were playing the finals in, you know, whatever it was, September. And 
it, we know that ratings were let were down because the timing was off and a lot of stuff. Um, I'd say nobody cares about yikes. Um, <laughs> Except for Denver. I mean, I, I'm not I, even I, certain I'm thinking. If, <laughs> if you gave me another like few minutes, maybe I would come up with a great player. <laughs> like who would actually have the title of best player that nobody cares about? <laughs> that would be an interesting one to ponder. Make that your next column. Okay. Yeah, and you're thinking. welcome for the idea. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking. Uh, we will think back and say to ourselves, let's do it this way. Beck yeah or Beck no. We will think back and say to ourselves, Kevin Durant was a top five player of all time. Beck yeah. What? <laughs> Get the Beck out of here. Ow. <laughs> Back You're off. crapping on Kevin Durant. I, I, I just, I don't. I think if Kevin Durant had stayed in Oklahoma City, he would have, uh, have eventually uh, won NBA championships. Uh, and the old he, he took the back. easy way criticism. I see. Well, no, I listen. I, listen, I started that criticism. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking credit for that take. Okay, and I am proud of that take. It's one of my all-time great takes. Um, but listen, he did. The, can you imagine Howard for a second? Michael Jordan not being able to beat the Pistons. So rather than coming back and trying again, he quits on the Bulls and joins Detroit. It would never happen. It couldn't have happened because at that time, players just weren't in a way permitted to do that. The, it, the, the idea did not exist. It's, it's like, when's the last time you mailed something, right? And you went and you grabbed an envelope. Did you have to lick it or did you peel that thing off to stick the thing shut and then wonder why the can I curse on this uh, show? Yes, Why the fuck was I licking these gross things, sticking my tongue <laughs> on this thing for decades when we could have been peeling this thing off the entire time? What the fuck were we thinking? Right. <laughs> like, It's not that players couldn't leave in free agency or that it didn't exist during Magic's era or Michael Jordan's era. It's just that nobody had actually said, dude, we can peel this thing off instead of licking the stupid envelope. So right. it, it just wasn't the... If, if Michael Jordan had played in this era... Who knows what might have happened if he had hit that this a similar kind of roadblock five years in or seven years in. The, the, the decision that LeBron made that was so controversial in 2010 now is looked back on with, I think, a little less uh, intensity, in part because it's become normalized. But also, I said it at the, at the time, um, it was justified. It was right. justifiable. They were not going to get him a Scottie Pippen. They were not going to get him a Shaquille O'Neal, except for the older version that they got him, which was, you know, not the right player at the right time. He was never going to have that guy in Cleveland. Cleveland couldn't get him. Um, and that's another thing that's changed in the modern era is that because players stayed, even in smaller markets that we now look at as like not so desirable, sorry, Cleveland, sorry, Oklahoma, sorry, a few other places, players now feel like, well, I don't have to stay here. I can go. Players back then did not feel that freedom. And so they did stay and it did. And then as, as a result, it gave those teams a better opportunity to keep trying to build around them, fail, try again. Now the clock is ticking from day one and, and that's only right. And so, you know, look for competitive balance reasons, I would have rather have seen Durant at that time, go to Boston, which was one of the other teams that was in consideration rather than take a, a, a team that was already kind of a super team and make it like an, one of the greatest teams of all time. I would have rather seen for competitive balance sake, him go to a team that he could have taken from good to contender. Um, but again, that's not for me to say. And the fact is this, if we're going to judge players overall for their legacy purposes, for top five purposes, which was your premise on two things, what did you do individually? How gaudy were the stats you put up? Where are you on the all-time rankings and scoring and assists and rebounds and, and everything else? And then how many finals did you make? 
if you want to go rings and, and judge by that, the fact is Kevin Durant is one of the most incredible scorers we've ever seen. And considering also his size and his, his body type and everything, he is truly unique. He is one of one. He is, he's like an elasticized version of Kevin Garnett with more skills, with more ball handling and more shooting. And he has won two titles and he may win another. And we, I think we will ultimately judge that the, 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 the broader outline than, oh, he left this team because he lost to that team. Well, like, I think those details will eventually fade from the narrative, as they call it. And, and we'll think more about what he achieved because ultimately it's about what you achieve. It's not about how you got there. It's what did you do with, with the 10 to 12 to 15 years that you had? What did you do individually? What did you do to impact winning? What did you do to win at the highest level? Uh, Mikey, yeah, I'm not certain if Metalark Media has a scroll yet, but if they do, if they don't, get on it. And if they do, put this on the scroll. Howard Beck just called playing with Russell Westbrook. <laughs> Russell Westbrook is like licking an envelope, okay? <laughs> it's not exactly That's what, what I said. Yeah, listen, I didn't say it. You said it. Okay. I mean, it was difficult to play with. <laughs> when you could have just told, you know, peeled it off and boom, Steph Curry, you peel it off. There it is. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm just saying, you know, I, why? Where, where were these people? Why didn't they invent that decades <laughs> You're ago? So right. Why did it take so you long? Were so right. This seems obvious. You're so right. Playoff play in games. Beck yeah, Beck no. Beck yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Listen, LeBron, LeBron, Steph. Hold yeah. on, a quick follow up to that. LeBron, Steph, one game to make it into the playoffs would do NBA Finals type numbers. Beck yeah, Beck, Beck no. Yeah. Yes. As <laughs> Eden oh. Lebetard. Hell yeah. Are you kidding? That that game might do better numbers than some of the like Lakers heat games from last September. Thank Again, you. given time of year or whatever. It will certainly do better numbers than probably a lot of playoff games over the years have done, or maybe certain all-star games. Like take take the worst of the most important. How about this? It will definitely do better numbers than uh Cavs Spurs did in 2007 in the finals. <laughs> um LeBron that's, that's versus Steph for, not for all the marbles but 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 for winner go home I think effectively it's not exactly that one gets the 7th seed and the other one has to play one more game but the stakes are really high in the play in. You can't afford a single misstep. Well you can afford maybe one misstep and there's not the second one. Now you're out if you're 7 8. <laughs> right. But listen, think about how many different um great features we've already gotten out of this one. We may well get Steph versus LeBron just to stay in the damn postseason. Then on top of that, we have the Washington wizards who are not a great team, but are fabulously entertaining and do have one of the most unique players in history in Russell Westbrook and a phenomenal score in Bradley Beal who in any other year would have just been long gone. And they may, they may get into this thing and make the first round that much more fun. So we have all these stars who are going to be involved who might not have been. And we've had, three, four weeks here where it was still worth watching what the ninth, 10th, 11th, 12th, and even 13th place teams were doing. And they actually still had to try it rather than pull the plug because they were close enough that they had to go for it. And even if you don't think tanking is a big deal, however you feel about that, just the fact that more teams were engaged and cared and were going all out down the stretch in a way that we have not seen is a net plus for the league. And if that means, by the way, that a team makes the playoffs that only one in a normal season, like 35 out of 82, fine, so be it. I don't care. I know some people say, ah, oh, cheapens the regular season, all this. You know what? The seventh and eighth seeds have historically been cannon fodder anyway. So if they were a 42-win team that got smoked in the first round by the one seed, or if they're a 35-win team that got smoked in the first round by the number one seed, 
I don't care. I like just give me a, a reason to make the latter parts of the regular season meaningful. And then the play in games themselves, it's going to be like March Madness. Every game is going to feel like the weight of the world is on it. And that's a good thing. It's a great thing. Uh, two more. We'll get you out of here quickly. The NBA doesn't want Utah or Phoenix or Denver in the NBA finals. <laughs> Beck, yeah, or Beck, no. <laughs> uh, Beck, no. <laughs> Come uh, on. Uh, they want the Lakers it, or Clippers. <laughs> the, the, like, it's funny when we do this, what the league would want to see. I mean, listen, there's some part of the league's marketing arm that obviously is going to want the, the best ratings combination every time. Or as David Stern once said, the ideal Laker, the ideal finals would be the Lakers versus the Lakers. <laughs> Which, by the way, at the at the time he said that, that was in the midst of the Shaq Kobe era, and I was covering that team. And I I took it two ways. I'm like, is he actually saying the Lakers versus the Lakers because it's great ratings? Or is he actually like, is this a like a meta commentary on the fact that the Lakers are actually against the Lakers all the time because Shaq and Kobe are trying to kill each other. Um, I, I was never sure if he meant that on multiple levels or if that was just me. Um, yeah, listen, yeah, obviously there's, there are certain matchups and certain markets that are better for ratings than others. But if you think about it more broadly, it's in the league's best interest that the Milwaukee Bucks, the Phoenix Suns, like the Phoenix is not a small market. It's like mid mid-sized market. Milwaukee's a smaller market, obviously. Um, that those that those franchises can thrive and those fan bases can be engaged and have belief that their teams can contend also because you know if Giannis had been the next one to walk away if yet another small market team or a cold weather area lost its star and these teams never make the finals eventually i think that has a net negative impact on the league because fan interest in those markets can understandably wane if you feel like you never have any hope if you feel like the stars never want to come here and when they do come here through the draft we lose them 7 years later like that, that's not good for the overall uh, health of the league. So yeah, easy thing to say Lakers versus Lakers or Lakers versus Knicks, but you know, Suns versus Bucks is, or, or Jazz versus Bucks is not necessarily the worst thing for the league in a broader Lakers, sense. Knicks sounds good, Mike. Um, uh, two more, I lied. Knicks winning one playoff series will mean more to the city of New York than the Nets making it to the NBA Finals and losing. Beck yeah, Beck no. Beck yeah. Um, yes. Uh, and, and, and listen, I'm, yes. as you can see uh, with my my virtual backdrop beneath the Brooklyn Bridge here, like I, I'm, I'm I'm broadcasting here from Brooklyn. Um, I'm I'm a mile and a half from Barclays Center. I've been here for 17 years, fellas. Uh, there are certain things that are very very clear. Even though there was a spike in Nets gear when they got to Brooklyn, and especially like. Uh, the, the the kids, like my daughter's 15, the Nets get here. She was like, I don't know, six and a half or something. I saw a lot of her friends, the kids, right? That generation is like, oh, we've got our own team now. They're wearing their gear. I saw a lot of Nets gear those first few years also because it was cool and it was trendy and the, the black and white looked sharp and all that. But has this ever been close to the Nets taking over? And even during a time when the Knicks have obviously gone through hell? No, it, it's like the Knicks are entrenched over generations. I mean, that generations of, of families, Obviously, you know, decades in this city. And yeah, they haven't won since 50 years ago, but that still resonates. And the 90s still resonate. And the Knicks have just been here longer. You know, it's, it's, it's like with the Clippers and the Lakers. Like the Clippers have been there a lot longer than the Nets have been in, in New York City. And when the Nets were in New Jersey, nobody cared. Like literally, like a Lakers, Lakers Nets finals, which I covered, like the building was not sold out. You know, there were a lot of empty seats during the finals uh, at that awful arena. Um, 
<laughs> they, I, if the Nets are ever going to have a footprint in terms of fan base that I don't want to say rivals the Knicks because it's not going to be equal, but if they ever want to have a, a substantial footprint or at least be the team of Brooklyn, as opposed to most Brooklyn fans, Brooklyn NBA fans still being Knicks fans, it's going to take generations and it's going to take a lot of winning and it's going to take the Nets being great to for, for, for years and you know generations growing up on them to make that kind of dent. Because you can just look at L.A., and it's different there, too. Lakers have a 1,000 championship banners up. The Knicks do not. But the Lakers' hold on that market is so strong. And, again, the Clippers were obviously run horribly for, for most, much of their time there. But it's just really hard. It's hard to displace the team that's been there longer with a richer history. Howard Beck, check out his uh, his latest column, his latest article, Sports Illustrated cover story, uh, and also senior writer, Sports Illustrated co-host of the Crossover Podcast with Chris Mannix, an analyst on Sirius XM NBA. You were fantastic at uh, Beck, yeah, Beck, no. <laughs> it was great. Fantastic. Thank you for doing this, by the way. Appreciate it. Take care, guys. Mike. That was fantastic. I love Howard Beck. His information is great. He's a great writer. The entire time, I must be honest, I was thinking about fucking Howard Johnson's. (laughs) (laughs) Hojo's! I'm not talking about the restaurants. I'm talking about the Mets third baseman. Hojo! Stupidity! Stu Gouts here for my friends over at Miller Lite. A lot's changed over the years. One thing that hasn't, the great taste of Miller Lite. Another thing that hasn't changed is that it's less filling. So, what is the best thing about the original light beer? Miller Lite sparked this debate in 1975, and we still haven't settled it. Listen, for me, it's simple. When I'm sitting around with friends, with family, we're at concerts, we're watching the Knicks finally win for the first time in 30 years, we're laughing, we're having a great time, we do it with ice cold. Miller Lights. Always have, always will. Miller Lite keeps it simple, undebatable quality, great taste, only 96 calories. It's the beer that strips away everything you don't need and holds on to what matters most. You don't have to choose what's best. Miller Lite has great taste and is less filling. Tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com slash stew, or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 96 calories per 12 ounces, fewer cows and carbs than premium regular beer. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. 